Wow, I so much want you to believe that. He is for you. You know, God called Aaron the priest, and he said, look, when you're with the people, I want you to give them this blessing. That's what you were just singing. He was told to pronounce this over the people. And so however you're feeling today or wherever you are, that's the, the blessing that God asked to be pronounced over his people. This is Vision Sunday. It's a time which we take every year to ask, okay, God, where are you leading us? Let me tell you, this is really tough. Okay, if you're out there in business, you may be a part of a sector of business in which tons of businesses have closed. And maybe you've had to push very hard to keep the business afloat, looking for what's going to happen. That's happening in the churches right now. Between one in 10 and one in seven pastors in the United States are leaving ministry. Imagine more than like one in 10 churches just not existing in the future. And so how do we look at a time like this? So just praying and thinking and looking forward. That's what our leaders have been asking here. What do things look like after this? Where is God calling us? And I want this to be a challenge, not just for us as a church, but for you individually, you personally. How do you view what God is doing in your life and what he has for you? I want to look at a passage that comes from the book of Philippians, the Apostle Paul, from a very difficult time in his life as he's thinking forward, sort of what drives him, what is his hope, how does he see this, and what is our encouragement? Because you saw in the video, you heard Jeff talk about it a little bit, some of these ways that our leadership has really felt, we, we believe God is leading us in this direction, over here at this time. Um, This is the word of God from Philippians chapter three. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. If anything you think, anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Let's pray. Let's pray together. Lord, it's so easy for us to be overwhelmed and afraid and feel stuck and live in fear. Only you in the gospel, only having you as our Father, our God, our King, our Lord, who is sovereign over everything, calling us forward and and equipping us and leading us into the future can change all of that. And so I pray that you'll help us to see that. Just as we were hearing the blessing that you told your priest Aaron to put upon the people, that you are for your people. Your face shines upon your people. And we thank you and pray in Jesus' name, amen. I mean, it is so easy. It's really easy to get stuck, isn't it? 
Maybe you felt this way. I was reading the story of this guy named Gary Richmond who works in the zoo in the Los Angeles Zoo. And one day he goes into work. By the way, he's a keeper of the animals and in one of the enclosures outside, but not so that anybody can see it, are 15 red-tailed hawks. I mean, they are beautiful animals. And when you see them in a cage, you're like, they shouldn't be there. And what he learned was they had been taken into possession from people who were poaching them. And because of that, they couldn't be put on display. They were being held for a trial at some day in the future. And as he looked in the cage, he just thought, wow, when is that gonna happen? And when will they be released? And so he sort of like accidentally left the cage door open. And then he went to get a coffee for like an hour because he wanted to give time for these birds to escape out of this cage in this enclosure. And let me tell you what happened. He came back about an hour later, they were all still in the cage. Actually, a couple had come out. They knew the cage was open and they ventured out just a little bit, but they didn't fly away. They could have flown and even ran up to them like this, trying to scare them and they just stayed. They, they lifted their wings, but they stayed where they were. And he said, don't you see the sky? That's what you're made for. God gave you a purpose, now go and fulfill it. And I read that story and I thought, wow, we can be so stuck. We can be pulled into a place where we just can't see our way forward. And even though the way is open to us by God, we cannot get unstuck. Now that's what we're feeling. During this time in COVID when we've been told, you know, it's probably safer to stay home. You need to avoid contact with other people as much as possible. I understand that is for good reason. We've planned worship here to be as safe as possible for everybody. And by the way, thank you for wearing a mask and helping to make this possible, make that happen. But it's also been devastating for many people, one study I saw said about 18% of people in America, almost one in five, when all of this is over and the vaccine is in and everything is safe, will still not be venturing out. They'll still be wiping down packages. They are freaked out. It's almost as if in this moment was the first time we're learning. Oh, I, I think, I didn't know I was breathing air other people were breathing. And that's how we are living all the time. It's been like a realization. And so you wonder, what will it take for us to get out of our cage? You felt this. Maybe it's been a major loss in your life. After a loss this summer, this fall for me, I mean, there were days in which I didn't want to do anything. I just felt closed down on maybe in your life, it hasn't progressed the way you want and you've gotten stuck and a relationship blew up and you said, I'm never going to do that again. I'm never trusting again. I'm never gonna risk that again. Or maybe it's happened in business. Challenges have happened and, and it's too dangerous, it's too risky. And we've been stuck in a cage for so long, the door may be open, but can we fly out? Is there a life after this? And what I think is, is we're dealing with fears, deep fears. And God's love is always the antidote for that. And that's what the gospel is all about. And it's why the worship team, you know, hearing that, God is for you. He is for you. You need to hear this. He's for you. There's a really interesting article. Even, you know, secular sources are seeing this everywhere out in culture. Um, Arthur Brooks, who writes for the Atlantic Magazine and does a really cool column, usually about building up people 
had an article with this subtitle. You can see the article. Life, especially pandemic life, is full of threats and uncertainty. When we feel afraid, bringing more love into our lives can help. And I thought that's exactly what Scripture says, right? Perfect love casts out fear. That's how it works. I was listening to John Piper. He's a Christian pastor now sort of moving into retirement, teaching on Isaiah 41 that reads like this, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And then just hearing him unpack that, he says, you know, I am your God, which means God is, is over you. I am with you, which means God is beside you. I will, will strengthen you, which means God is in you. He's at work in you. I will help you means that God surrounds you. I will uphold you means God is underneath you. Now let me tell you what happened to me. A few months ago during COVID, I just sort of felt like this. I felt like, I, th I think we've sort of been waiting. We've been waiting until this passes. <laughs> when things will go back to some sense of, to normal. And we're just sort of waiting. Okay, when is this going to happen? How is this going to take place? And then I felt God challenging me to say, well, no, no, no. Life is still continuing. Things are still happening. Needs are still there. People are still, still around you. <laughs> Who, why are we waiting for life to happen? It is happening. And I began, I think, to see through the bars of the cage and say, well, maybe there's something else out there. Maybe God has something for us to push toward. And that's what drew me to this text about pressing on in God's grace, leaving behind and pressing forward. It had me asking the question, well, well how does this work? How can we implement this in our lives so that we don't get stuck. And here's what I learned. You go back and you see this letter was written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Philippi. But you know when he wrote this letter? He was in prison. I mean, he really was in a cage. <laughs> Here was this guy who was stuck. His, his future was in question. He didn't know what was going to happen to him. And you would expect, expect he would complain about the circumstances that he's in. But he doesn't do that. Instead, this is the, the yearning that he has. He says, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. He repeats that. And, and what I hear in him is this, it's like this deep longing. It's as if he says, hey, you know, I've, I've been an apostle for 25 years. I mean, I've been walking with Christ, but don't think I've arrived yet. Don't think I have it all. Don't think there isn't more for me to grow, that, that I, I, there isn't a reason for me to be pressing forward. I mean, this guy served Jesus. He met Jesus. He endured beatings and stoning and mistreatment. But listen to him. He's like, look, I want to lay hold of all, the, all of the reasons that Christ came and laid hold of me. And when I hear that, I was like, wow, stoke my spiritual hunger. Help me to be hungry like he is, because you hear him saying that, I, I want more. And so here's this honest and, and humble hunger for more of Christ. And so I would say, hey, if you are stuck in your cage, how are you going to get out? Well, first admit that you're stuck. 
Admit that you feel like you're in a trap. Admit that you want more, that, that you want to soar. Because I think the temptation is that we just find a comfortable place and we deny our hunger. We stop exploring the mystery of God and, and really stop in, enjoying Jesus. And here, here's Paul. He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. You say, well, doesn't he already know Christ? Well, you see, he wants to know this more. And I ask, well, how, how are we going to know the power of Jesus' resurrection? And this is the conclusion I came to. We will know the power of his resurrection by living in such a way that we need it. You see, we want to live so safe that we never have to cry out to God. We don't like points of, of desperate prayers. We don't, we don't like places where we feel weak and we really need God to intervene. But this is exactly where we come to see, wow, God is incredibly powerful. And, and look at what he's done for us in Christ. And what I'm, what I'm discovering at this time, maybe you have too, that the more outer challenges we have, like during COVID, the deeper our inner resources must be. So whatever challenges you have in your life, the greater they are, they will reveal your need for inner resources to sustain you. And this is why we begin with our spiritual hunger. This is why Paul begins here. And so I'd ask, how hungry are you? You feel like you're okay and you're a comfortable place? Because if so, you won't be pursuing more of Christ. I read a story years ago. There was, it was a medieval monastery, like the one you see here. And in those days, the religious stuff, the spiritual stuff, happened all in there, sort of like the black box of religion. And if you didn't live in there, you didn't know what went on in there. And one day, a monk was walking down a road, and there was a young man who saw him and thought, well, I've never, really, I've never talked to a monk. I would like to ask him what happens inside that building because <laughs> I've heard that God is there and you can meet God. And, and so he walked up alongside the, the monk and he asked the question, well, how, how could I have more of God? How could I have more of God in my life? And the monk thought, this is the most wonderful question. This is a question every person should be asking, right? But he did not answer the man. He just allowed this man to, to walk beside him. And they walked for a very long time until that path they were on actually came up alongside the river. And then the monk said the first thing. He said, come with me. And he led the young man down into the river. And as soon as the water was deep enough, that monk took his hand and plunged it on the top of the head of that young man, just pushed his head under the water. And the young man is thinking, okay, what's going on here? This is not good. But the monk just held his, his hand on his head under that cold water. He, had, he could feel that young man. He was struggling, but he kept immense pressure there. And he could feel the man struggle. And he waited until the last moment in which he he thought he could hold the man's head down, and then he let go, and that man, oh, he just burst out of the water to grab air. He was so desperate. And the monk just so quietly said to him, he said, when you want God like you, like you want that air, then you're going to find him. You see, it's so easy to be self-satisfied. It's so easy not to want. You remember times when you like wanted God like that? When you find it easy to draw near to God, because the thing I've learned in my life is this, the only person limiting my access to the fullness of Christ is me. The only person limiting your access to the fullness of Christ is you. It's not those other people in your life. 
and is certainly not God. He invites us. The only one limiting your enjoyment of the grace of Jesus in your life is you. And here's the corollary for me. The more you feast upon Christ, the greater your hunger for him will be. The more you enjoy him, the more you will want to enjoy him. So as a church, we must always be grateful for all that God has given to us, and we need to still be saying, I want to know Christ. I don't want to know the power of his resurrection. And then Paul says this. He says, but then one thing I do, forgetting what it lies behind. And by the way, he, he describes this as just one thing in sort of like two steps. First, the forgetting what lies behind. Well, what is that? Well, hey, there's a lot of sin in his life, and he has a story he would love to walk away from, but I think it's a lot more than that. You see, his identity, he's, he's just given the resume for who he is. I've, he said, look, I was at the top of the ladder in Judaism. I was born of the right family, and, and I was like a super achievement and all of that. You see, he's just bragged in that. And the problem is this had become a trap for Paul, and it actually kept him from God. You see, the call here isn't just to leave our sins behind. Of course, that is going to happen. But it's to leave our old identity behind. Do you know that the greatest cage for most of us is our self-made identity? It will, the identity you craft for yourself. It's this cage holding you back. You have, you have a reputation to keep up. You have an image. And it's carefully crafted, and you, you wear it like skin. And perhaps you can't even imagine your life without it. Let me tell you, as a pastor, I get pushed into that. Oh, my goodness. You don't even want to announce to people you're a pastor because they're like, oh, yeah, 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 I know that. Oh, yeah. And think about the identities that are pushed on us that we ourselves welcome. So we can't go all in with Jesus. What will people think? What, what will my life be like if I do this? I know sometime this year I watched the movie The Adjustment Bureau. Maybe you've seen it. It stars Matt Damon. He is a politician named David Norris, and he has this incredibly curated and crafted image. And the crowd look at him, they're like, oh, he's so authentic. He's amazing. He's authentic. So a speech, he actually gets honest with them. And this is what he says. He says, this tie was selected for me by a group of specialists in Tenafly, New Jersey, who chose it over 56 other ties we tested. In fact, our data suggests that I had to stick with either a tie that is red or a tie that is blue. Because you see, a yellow tie made it look as if I was taking my situation lightly. A silver tie meant that I'd forgotten my roots. And then he said, oh, my shoes, you know, my shiny shoes, we associate with high-priced lawyers and bankers. If you want to get a, a working man's vote, you need to scuff up your shoes a little. But you can't scuff them up too much, right? So much that you alienate the lawyers and bankers because you need them to pay for the, the specialists over in Tenafly. So what is the proper scuffing amount? Do you know we actually paid a consultant to tell us this is the perfect amount of scuff, scuffing? Yeah, you know, we laugh at that. But how much do we live our lives like this? I mean, I want to dress enough that, so that you think that I'm cool, but I don't want to dress up so much that you think I'm trying to dress up to look cool. So how do I do that? 
What does that look like? And so you've crafted this nice little identity for yourself, and your life is now boxed in by that. And God is just saying, and Paul has learned this. He's like, I cannot live that. I can't live that and be asking God, what does it mean to follow you? How can I be your servant where you've called me to? You see, we have such an identity to project and protect. And Paul says, I can see my self-made identity. It is the biggest trap for me. By the way, do you know this is for churches? When I first came to Granada, some people were really angry with me because there was an image of the church and a certain sort of people who came here. And they said, well, people who don't look like that are coming here now. And that just can't, we can't allow that. I just, and it was like, really? Do we really have an image to protect? Or are we walking with God? And, and we pray that people, all sorts of people who are drawn to God through faith in Jesus Christ become a part of the family. Lord, break this image, please. You see, we do our best to build our own selves, our identity, and this is keeping us from what God created for us, our new identity in him. And so I, I sort of found myself singing the chorus to that third day song. If you've never heard it, at least hear the words from me. The refrain, please take my, from me my life when I don't have strength to give it away to you, Jesus. Please take from me my life when I don't have strength to give it away to you. Because it's, this is it. I don't even know how to give my life to you. But please take it from me so I can discover what you have for me. You see, Paul had this. He was in prison and this perfect Jewish boy who did everything right now, he's shamed. And if he was living for that identity, it's gone, it's blown up, it's rubbish. And he says, but I have Christ. And Christ is my life. That prison, and by the way, this is, this is what he says. He says, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, remember it's one thing, and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Don't you love this? It's not, he's in prison, but he's not held back. His circumstances are not the problem. Let me tell you, in your life, the circumstances are not the problem. Those are always gonna change. So if you're saying to yourself, hey, look, when I'm a little bit more successful in my work, or hey, when I'm a little bit more financially secure, or hey, when I get this relationship cleaned up, maybe then I'll follow Jesus. No, 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 no. It doesn't work that way. The cage, that's the cage we've created for ourselves. I think during COVID, it's natural for us to experience valleys and fears and dryness, and it must have been for Paul in Rome, and he isn't saying, God is going to remove every trouble from your life, every obstacle. He's saying, no, this is the time when we move forward looking to Christ. He's not waiting till he gets out of prison, saying, Lord, you know, set me free from this, and, and then I'll follow you, and, and listen to how he ends this letter that so demonstrates this. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. You see, in Rome, he's not waiting. 
He's been sharing Jesus. And even those in the household of the emperor have, have come to faith. And the result is the life of the gospel is growing. The household even of the emperor is affected because he never gave up. He never stopped pursuing Christ. And so that's what we do. We, we press toward the prize of our, our life fully in him. That's this heavenward calling. This is what we do. You know, as a church in the time of COVID, we don't give in to the cage of it or our past story. Instead, we trust that Jesus has set us free. So, so here's what happened. As we were praying about the holidays, we were saying, well, Thanksgiving is coming up. I mean, we would normally get together and have like a big thing. And how are we going to do that? Maybe we should just not do, it, do that. We're like, no. Let's go out on the front lawn. We're going to be safe. We want to protect everybody. But we're going to gather together. And then we started thinking in December, usually what we do is in this room right here, there's usually a huge orchestra and a, a Christmas celebration in the middle of the month. And we're like, wow, usually the room is filled. Oh, we can't, we can't do that. I mean, we can't fill up the room. And it's like, well, rather than just saying, let's not do that, what if we went downtown to a park? You'll see the park. And we all, we all went outside. And we worship God. And you know what? All of the neighbors get to hear Christmas music. And joy is shared with everybody. And we recognize the community we're a part of. Instead of saying, oh, we, we can't do this, to say, how might God use this time for good? To teach us to trust him. And to help us to connect even more with our mission. Why would we do this? This is the gospel, right? This is the way God's love works in people's lives. It, it doesn't shut them down. It, it opens them up to, to relationships and opportunities. I love the way the message translation says it like this. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed that exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he is there in the place of honor right alongside God. So when you find yourself flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility that he plowed through that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. Don't you love that? You think Jesus, you think this was easy for him to press forward? He could have said, forget it, I'm not going to Jerusalem. Look at these people. I mean, I'm loving on them and they're hating me. He at any moment could have turned away from his mission, but he kept pressing toward the finish. I mean, where in your life do you want to quit right now? Go read the story again. You know, we don't have anything to lose, right? What do we have to lose? Because Christ has given all things to us. And this is what Paul is saying. He's saying, look, I'm leaving the past behind and I'm pressing toward fullness in Christ. So I would ask you this. So what if this year, when we are locked down, this became the year when we loved more, we learned more in one year how to love our neighbors than any other year, when everybody had to stay home? Or what if this became the year when there were so many financial questions that we were more generous as God's people with our time and resources than we've ever been rather than living in fear. That would be amazing, right? That would show the power of the gospel. 
I don't know, this is one of the old movies I remember from years ago entitled The Third Man has Orson Welles in it. And there's this cool place in there where he gives a speech. This is what he says. It's really brief. He says, in Italy for 30 years under the Borgias, they had warfare, terror, murder, bloodshed, but they produced Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci, and the Renaissance. But in Switzerland, they had 500 years of democracy and peace. And what did they produce? The cuckoo clock. Don't you love that? You see, it's not what the time is. It's what you believe God is ordained, that God is sovereign over the time. And it's how we, we use this time God has given to us. So where are you? I mean, are you in a cage? First, just look outside that cage and, see, and you can know God has more for you. But then after you look outside the cage to say, what will it mean to me to, to embrace this moment in time that God has given us in a way that we can serve him? We can enjoy Christ. We can see the power of his resurrection because we trust in him. Let me tell you, a resurrection is coming. A resurrection is coming. Paul said, leaving behind what is past behind and pressing on to the upward call of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we know what it's like to be stuck. All of us have been there. And only you can set us free. And it won't just happen with pep talks. It'll happen because our hearts have been changed by a love that's so great that we're able to trust in your sovereignty at work in our lives and in our world. It'll be because... The gospel has come to us, and we've heard that blessing pronounced over us. God is for you. Father, thank you for being for us. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for your faithfulness. And Father, I pray that you would help us because we know the power of Jesus. We know that you raised the dead to do nothing to just find a comfortable place. And you will show us individually, what are you calling us to do? How are you calling us to serve? How are you calling us to connect with our neighbors? And Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you that you give us a reason and purpose in life when our world so much is so desperately looking for a purpose and meaning to it all. Thank you for loving us in Jesus. Thank you that Jesus didn't give up. But through all of the opposition and the challenges, he laid aside. He didn't grasp, but he laid aside life and even took up death that we might have life in him. And we thank you and we worship you today and we pray in Jesus' name, amen.